people started growing sideburns, they're like, well, I might as well just do the full beard. Exactly. And then you realize, wow, I look stately and handsome. And you're also like, wow, why was I a chump and shaving all this time? Yeah, no, I know, right? Kidding. I did my beard more out out of laziness, to be honest. That and the fact that my cheeks were just getting a little bit too round. Exactly. <laughs> that is my exact same reason. Who needs a well-defined chin line? That's I enjoy the fact that my beard covers <laughs> the fact that my cheeks blend seamlessly into my neck. <laughs> it's like I, that's why I get really pumped for when it is winter time because it means it's cardigan time and I can stop having to uh, iron my button down shirts. Nice. <laughs> I just say a hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. Hoodie just, weather. Hoodie when weather. I was, when, I, when I was in seminary, I always shaved my head, like not bald, but like just like with the number one razor or whatever. Yeah. And the sole reason was for utility. And no, yeah. chapel for 30 and i'm not a morning person so i was out of bed by about 6 22 so mm. it gave me just enough mm-hmm. time to throw on clothes and run down to the chapel in time for the invitatory that's exactly what i would have been like had i been in your shoes that is exactly what i would have done but luke would have been in flip-flops with toilet paper stuck to his heel and he would have been <laughs> running in being like oh intro ebo adultari dehi <laughs> no one would have understood a thing. Like, I don't, uh, as you can tell, I don't have things together. <laughs> <laughs> a buddy of mine sent me a promo video for uh, a Russian Orthodox seminary here in uh, the States. I think it was in New York. And then he sent me <laughs> one of uh, a seminary, I, I don't know where it is. It's, it's in the Washington, D.C. area. It's it's World's Diocese. And uh, and he Not just anymore. said, he, well, actually, no, it's still hey, it. Uh, sorry. He said, uh, compare the two. He said, compare the two. And you watch the Russian one. <laughs> it's like, our seminarians begin with what we call the obediences, a series of grueling chores done starting at 4 o'clock in the morning. But that's only after we pray for an hour. And it shows them all in candlelight, chanting and singing and doing all this stuff. And then they, stu- they study theology from like 8 to noon. And that's it. Everything else, you live the life of a monk, of a hardcore Orthodox monk. So a question. Then, huh? With the American one, is it just a bunch of 20-something boys crushing beer cans? Yeah, and tickling each other, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's worlds, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> after, after a grueling seven minutes of studying theology, we have what I call the crazy part of the day. It's my favorite. Tickle time! <laughs> the, the summer, summer of, of scandal. 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 Followed by a three-course meal during lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and then a two-hour nap. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Our, everyone who's like in the seminary works very hard. Right? I know ours is. Totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I, I have a question for you guys. Um, so... Uh, we're not. I don't. I mean, we don't have to go too 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 deep into this because I'm sure we we we'll, we'll probably do it at on some other episode. But this article came out about a priest at Seminville who he um, allegedly did some like horrible stuff, 
and everyone's horribly depressed again. And uh, one guy that I was talking to says he ha- he, he he like has a buddy that that because of all of this is gonna become like uh, he's gonna become orthodox. Um, do you think is that like like I don't want to like judge this person, but I'm just curious if like you have a person who's so distraught over the state of the Roman Church right now, and they decide to like join another, like they they join you know the uh, they join like Byzantine Church or something. Is that wrong? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, well, if they're Byzantine Catholic, that's not. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if they, if they join like a right that's still in line with the church. Sorry, I misheard that. You said oh, yeah, yeah. you sorry, said originally yeah. you said Orthodox, and then you said yeah. Byzantine. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I got. You. Sorry, I answer questions. I sorry, I answer. I ask. I clearly ask questions poorly. <laughs> clearly ask them poorly. Yes. <laughs> So are you saying, Luke, that someone leaves the Catholic Church for the Orthodox Church or leaves the Roman for uh, a different rite but within the Catholic Church? The Roman for a different rite but within the Catholic Church. Okay. There's nothing um, wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, but you need, I mean, you need bishops' permissions, though, to do it, right? You need the, the both yeah. bishops on both sides to say yes. And usually if it's like a guy and, he, uh, and he's going Roman from Roman to Byzantine and he's single— they'll actually uh, stamp his file saying do not ordain uh, to ensure he's not going to the Byzantine right just to be a married priest. Really? Yes. Wow. Seriously. Yeah. I did not know that. I All I know. knew of that was we had a Greek Orthodox fella who converted. And at the same time, he also had to apply um, to essentially to the Pope to be switched rituals. Mm-hmm. So that he could be, be Roman Catholic, right? He's like, "What the heck? Why would I be anything else?" I was like, "Well, it's default. You go to the corresponding Catholic Church in the mm-hmm. East that your Eastern Orthodoxy right. lines up with." A lot of people don't know that. So if you're a yeah. Syrian Church of the East, you become Chalcedon Catholic, right? Yeah, you don't become. We have a Roman. priest in our diocese from Iraq, and uh, he's not Roman. He's working our diocese and everything, but he's not Roman. Really? Is he? He's yeah. not bi ritual. Uh, he's bi ritual. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he's not, yeah. he's not canonically under us. Right. So, okay. So what, what diocese are you in? I'm in the diocese of Victoria, British Columbia. So just off Vancouver, just uh, a little bit North of Seattle. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome, yeah. man. I'm blowing up in Canada. Yeah. You, I hear you're coming out nearby in August. Yes. So oh. fun. Cool. Can't, can't wait. I said, do you want me to bring my friend Luke? And they said, <laughs> Who? What? Who? Who's that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So why don't we talk? Why don't we introduce this um, this uh, scream fest argument that we're about to have? Oh, I cannot uh, wait! Fight! 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 Wait! 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 <laughs> what? What? No. Uh, we we wanted to talk about some. Uh, okay. So Luke, tell the damn story. Okay. So uh, Father um, Harrison had a great Twitter thread that I fell in love with about. Some, um, would you call them concerns you have over the, the missionary discipleship movement? Yeah, yeah, question, concerns or at least questions, right? Or, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you're not wholesale pitchfork burning it to the ground? No, uh, one, like I had a couple people say, oh, you know, got a little defensive. I'm like, no, no, I'm not saying you guys are wrong or bad or anything. I'm just saying we just have some developing to do. Mm. 
And I was like, oh, no, let's just burn it all to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Luke, <laughs> I, got the, I got the matches ready. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like part of it, when, when a bishop starts engaging you in the thread, you got to start being a little bit more subtle yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> Nuanced. Nuanced. Exactly. Exactly. No, and I like I um I loved what you had to say because it really hit on a lot of things that we've been talking about just within with just within the own ministry that I do. Who knows where? Um, Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, Don't worry, I whatever. got you, Luke. Even if you hey, forget, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, tell Aaron to add me to your health insurance. Um, Deal. And uh, and so I, I, if if you want to just like maybe kind of uh, really briefly, Father Harrison, just kind of like unpack like some of the stuff that. You talked about a few weeks ago i was doing a a, a five-day seminar for mother Teresa sisters the missionaries of charity and i was doing a five-day seminar on the theology of pope benedict and as i was reading more and more pope benedict uh, i was falling in love with his theology of history right he did his right. habilitation thesis on bonaventure and history and i'm starting to see just how important that all was and he was really kind of going after uh I guess what I was trying to get at, so what, he was, what I was trying to get at is that I feel like in our, in the way we're presenting the charisma and the gospel, which I think is essential to do as a church, we all know it's important and it's necessary, and I'm very grateful that people are doing this. Um, at the same time, I feel like we haven't been presenting it through a fully sacramental lens. I feel like we have or maybe feeling is not the right word. I, I, I really think that we have been approaching the scriptures and the mystery of Christ in a more historical way rather than a sacramental way. So by this, like uh, Ratzinger really goes into this in, his, in an essay that he published in Communion called Jesus Christ Today. And he talks about how Jesus is Lord yesterday, today, and forever. And that if this is the case, you can never approach Jesus, nor the scriptures, nor the tradition of the church, nor anything really in a purely historical sense. It has historical meaning, obviously, but that's actually not the primary thrust or purpose. But when we are when we are uh, using trying to proclaim the Gospels, we are doing stuff like proof texting with Scripture, and um, and we are not proclaiming um, it in a sacramental vision. So, like for example, we need typology, and that we need to draw our own history and story as as a just world history and story into the biblical story, which interprets and lifts us up into God's story itself. Right. And Balthazar stuff about theodrama is really important here. And, uh, the, I just been finding that more and more that I guess, I think I listened to what you guys had to say about this and I thought it was really good. And I was like saying, yep, amen. Yeah. Let's talk about this. (laughs) Uh, was how I feel like we've been too essentially, I mean, we've been too Protestant. Say it. (laughs) We've been too Protestant. We've been too Protestant. We've been too Protestant in a way we present the gospel. You just need to make an active commitment today. But the problem is, and and this is something that Benedict really gets at the heart of, everything we do as Christians and every ounce of our being and every action we do is sacramental. The problem is, and I think this is where the debate really gets into is, sacramentality, and this is something Benedict really recognizes, is so contrary to what how and how modern people think and the way they think. And so then how do you communicate this in your preaching of the charisma? 
um, are you, is there going to be a common terms or isn't there that those are a lot of big questions, but like I was, I was looking through a couple of programs tonight just in preparation for this. And I was finding this like over and over again, it's like a more of a proof texting with the scriptures. This is what Jesus says of himself. Therefore it's true. I'm like, well, that's great, but that's not the way the apostles preached about it. I mean, I don't know if you guys were listening. I don't know if you guys look at the daily readings or not, but like last week's letter to the Ephesians was just fire. <laughs> it was awesome about we are participating in the mystery of Christ, right? We are in Christ. And this, and, and to remember that Paul's writing before the gospels and that this, this whole idea that Jesus is the mystery, which uh, um, Ratzinger says is one of the most important concepts that we rediscovered in the 20th century, the idea of mystery and that we are drawn into this mystery and that we are really and truly in Christ, that we participate in him and that everything we do as Christians is a participation in him and not just an imitation. See, I think that's the problem. We look to him more in an imitation way rather than we are lifted up in him. There's a lot more to say about it. I'm sure it'll come out in discussion, but that's been kind of my main main thing. Yeah. I think you were very careful in the tweet storm of the century uh, that you had where you kept <laughs> correcting and disclaimering, like, when I say sacramental, I don't mean just the sacraments. Exactly. Um, you say, I mean also, like, symbolically. And, you know, you, the use of symbolism, and I'm sure also you could say the use of matter, but just not with right. the sacraments. Yeah. Um, but then you said modernity has a problem with that because we just view matter as mere matter. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I don't know if you wanted to kind of touch on that and then. Yeah. So I think other. and I think this is. And so there's other questions, too. Right. Are we modern or are we postmodern is the next question. And that's something a few people brought up to me in the last couple of days. I'm pre postmodern. You're pre-postmodern? Yeah. I'm po- post-Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm post-Christian, but pre-Pauline? <laughs> I'm, de-cons- I'm deconstruction, but I'm also uh, a, um, I'm a um, neo-Matthias. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared, but I'm also lonely. So <laughs> I'm tired, but slightly. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, Luke. I stopped myself. I stopped myself. Sort of. <laughs> Everyone knows what I said, but I didn't say it out loud. So if you don't know the podcast, you don't know what I was going for. Sorry. Go on. Bob. Bob, it's all good. So, uh, yeah, just this is something that he really brings up. He says that um, this is another essay that you can find in his, uh, in his uh, collected works on liturgy. And he's talking about how. Modernity sees matter as something that is kind of used. It's it's something that is, it we we still use it to manifest meaning, right? Like uh, I was, I, I've been saying to some people, I said this is, I think this is part of the reason why tattoos are such a huge thing now. Um, we see the body as something expressive of individuality rather than something that communicates in and of itself, hmm. and is that integrated, right? <clears throat> so. He goes on to this idea that Marxist ideologies are uh, are at the root of how we see matter today. Instead of seeing like a table, for example, your table or chair is your n- number one philosophical example, right? So a table or chair, he says, for the modern person, the first question we ask is, how can I use this? Right. While for the Christian, it says, what does this tell me? What is this? What is this manifesting to me? So you see the turn, like there's a Cartesian turn in all this, right? About um, it's a it's starting in the self instead of 
and it's more about uh, taking and manipulating rather than the Christian vision of receiving, right? This is, which is why for Benedict, I mean, it's a whole other thing. Mary and the church are such important integral figures together because really the church is always receptive in her nature because it's what it means to be human. And so, but this is the problem, right? Uh, when we see matter this way, then people see sacraments and sacramentality not as something that is manifesting reality, but rather as it's being manipulated. And so they see the church and sacraments through lenses of power, manipulation, and the sacraments as something magical, which is always associated with power, rather than as communicating the divine reality. Okay, so for those of our listeners who aren't super into philosophy and stuff, I remember one day I was actually sitting down in, a, in a, right before a talk at a conference, and I was sitting at a table, and this we were talking about something totally, like, normal. And right. this one guy goes, well, you know, von Balthasar says, and I turn around <laughs> and I go, I'm going to stop you right there. That is literally the most seminarian thing a human being has ever done. And all the other guys start dying laughing. They're like, how did you know he was a seminarian? And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We're in Detroit. Awesome. I knew he yeah, was a exactly. seminarian. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But the, uh, so Rene Descartes, yeah. this always fascinates me about Rene Descartes. He's a Roman Catholic yeah. who introduced uh, the whole cogito ergo sum, I think therefore I am, right. into the world. The, yeah. the truly modern turn, Francis Bacon, all the rest of it too, but that really began the, the modern project right. or the modern way right. of thinking about how to do philosophy. You start with yourself. What can I know that I can know that I can know? What is my clear and distinct idea? Well, mm -hmm. I know that I exist. Even if everything else is a lie, I know I exist. Mm -hmm. It's so funny to me how this Cartesian notion that you're talking about, uh, and stop me if I'm putting Descartes before the horse. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, <laughs> that is, that is, uh, wow. The I, worst. I bow to you. I bow to the you. Worst. I bow. See? Have you used that one before, or is that a first time? No, someone used it to me, and I laughed so much. Okay. But that's the first time I've used really it. That is really good. I really you're like welcome. it. That's awesome. I'm going to have to you're that one. You're welcome, America. Uh, you're welcome, Australia. And by that, I mean Sugar Garcia. B-Sides is a new project by Catching Foxes. It's the same discussion over instruction that you're used to, but without so much the collision of faith and culture. But no, so the reason why it's so important is that he really does. He starts with the self. And he says, all that matters, matter doesn't matter. All that matters is um, the soul. The matter is mere extension into space. And you need to understand that because all of the sciences are built on with this understanding of the world. And once you understand matter as that which is mere extension, then the next step is, well, how can I manipulate it? Right. How can I exert my power? Because as they say in the Lord of the Rings... Men above all else desire power. No? Okay. So and Liv Tyler. <laughs> and Liv yeah. Tyler. But the idea is yeah. the 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 desire for power and manipulation for one's own end is almost always irresistible for us. So mm -hmm. you got the Jurassic Park scenario of, you know, we we take genetic power and we manipulate it for our own ends and whatever. Um but this becomes interesting when you're talking about evangelization. This is why this is the collision of faith and culture, people, even though this yeah, feels it's like coming, we're in the don't worry. It's coming because it feels like like right now this is like super metacultural stuff. 
but we are bound up in a heavy materialistic culture. So when you hear someone like Richard Dawkins who dismisses Christianity as he dismisses the fairies at the end of my garden, you know, and magical thinking, he just equates all of it as the same thing. He sees himself as a realist materialist that all that exists is the machine of, of mother nature and mother nature is nothing other than a machine to be poked and prodded and figured out. And then to be bent towards our will to be placed upon the rack until it gives up her secrets. And so that's why this stuff is super important to understand, not just the culture that we're evangelizing, but that we believe to some extent as well. Can I, can I add something really quick? I think, and I could be wrong, because again, I am not a theologian at all, but I think this is what like Benedict is getting at when he says that like when like that evangelization is an encounter with a person it is an it is an event that happens i think especially right now because when like real evangelization occurs when you have that when you have that real intimate experience of like when you have that in when you have that encounter with christ it seems to break through all of that all of the barriers all the cultural and all of the philosophical barriers and i think to kind of bring it back to some of the missionary discipleship stuff. And I'd be curious to get your take on this, like father, some of my, like, not like, not my overall concern, but my like little, I guess, hesitation to go so hardcore down that road is this idea that it's just changing my mind about a thing, about how I view Christ, how I like view the church. And I, and I know this is not what you're going for. I'm just talking about like the general thing. That it's more about as opposed to an actual encounter with the invisible made visible. Well, can you rephrase the question? I'm just so are you saying are you saying like um, like we're we're get, we're just essentially kind of this is just really a debate about grammar. Like it's it's but we're actually really trying to just get, when people are saying no, we're just trying to get the same thing. Like is why is this so important? Sure. Well, not unnecessarily. Um, that when we talk about missionary discipleship and um wanting to have people go in okay so if you look at the gospels christ how many times does he tell people to not to not say anything yeah Mm -hmm. like that happens over and over and over again and like they do because they have to because they've had such an event happen with like like in their own lives that they cannot help but tell people about him Mm -hmm. And I think one of my, and I, I don't see that happening a lot within the church. I see us talking about that happening, but I don't actually really see that happening that often. Yep. And a part of me wonders, is it because of, we do have this um, lack of the sacramentality within our lives because of our culture? Because of a lack of a real okay. encounter. Yeah, I see, what you're, a, I see what you're a, saying. a mental encounter kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You're saying, I see what you're saying now. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would I would agree with this. I think this is why I'm kind of so big on this because if if you have like you said, if you have this it changes everything. Like you said, it smashes through, right? It, it's it's um it's like a that that uh, bit from Augustine's Confessions, right? You like you, you won me over, you, you smashed through like the, the poetry of it all is, is very real and it changes literally everything. 
for those of you wondering what that quote is, just consult Matt Maher's song "Alive Again" and you got it. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> I'm not remember, I remember being like, I know it's like there in the it's like there in the ether, but I can't remember the actual. <laughs> you called, word. you shouted, That's you it. woke through my deafness. Yeah. I'm just quoting Matt Maher too. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, uh, go on. <laughs> oh yeah, but it, it's it's uh, if we're gonna go, we can go Benedict then, right? Being Christian is not an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person which gives life a new horizon and decisive direction. It's one of my favorite quotes from, from him. It, it, it's immersed in the life of the church, right? And, and, through, and it's manifested through the church, living the mystery today. Um, it's, it's this whole sense that we are every aspect of our being, that there's nothing cut off from God. When you look historical lens, or you look at it from this, yeah, Jesus is a great teacher. He is the Messiah. He's Lord. He's God, but he's distant. He's far away in the heavens or whatever. He's not a person I can encounter today. But he, you see, this is for, this is the thing for Benedict is that he is a person you can encounter today because it is the church that manifests him today. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like that idea of like, so like, how do you have that encounter? How do you have that event? It's through the church. It doesn't necessarily have to be through the, the sacraments, but it's through the, the sacramentality. Exactly, exactly, right? This is why, because like, I, I agree with everything that missionary discipleship says that we've, um, by the way, I'm sorry about the explosions. It's it's Halloween night, so people are laying off fireworks. Um, when I agree with missionary discipleship people and everything who say, you know, the days of just doing sacraments are over because people haven't been exposed to them, et cetera, or just throwing them through the sacraments and thinking that'll be enough. Like if they go through confirmation and, everything, and programs and everything, that'll be enough. But I think that actually shows us, and in some ways I wonder if by reducing the idea of sacrament to just the seven sacraments in a way mm. has actually reduced our vision of what the church is. I mean, the Second Vatican Council literally calls the church the universal sacrament of salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is something that the 20th century theology has really worked hard to try and reintroduce that no, the church, like, really and truly makes visible, it really makes visible Christ to the world. And that's it. And you say your prayers maybe once in a while, and you go, you do your confession once a year. That's not going to be enough because that's not participating in the mystery enough. Like, it is. I mean, it is. The, the Mass is the Mass. But, I mean, it's this idea that the Mass is actually the the, the focal point interprets and helps us to see the rest of it as not just uh, an imitation of Jesus, but a participation. Mm. Okay. So here's, here's my thing. Let me, uh, and I think what we just should do is kind of clarify missionary discipleship. Cause I feel like a lot of people who are hearing you would be like, Oh, hell yeah. But yeah. aren't I doing that I, I when I'm doing it? Right, yeah. right, right. And, but I, I mean, I can say that I know, Okay, let's break this out. When people hear about evangelization and preaching the gospel, often what they do is they immediately enter into what's called the four spiritual laws. Four spiritual laws was a, an invention of, uh, I believe, a Baptist preacher, and it's essentially, uh, that was super popularized by Billy Graham, but it's essentially um, God created you for glory and for happiness. Uh, you sinned. Uh, your sin separates you from an all good and loving God. Therefore, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for your sin. And so by his death and resurrection, he could restore you to life in the Father. And what you need to do is give your life. So there's that decision moment 
give your life to Christ and um, let his cross be the bridge between you and the father that your sins can never uh, allow you to accomplish or, or build yourself. Right. Right, so our, right. Our insufficiency compared to, you know, it's really interesting actually that when Billy Graham was originally preaching this, he was told by a guy named Billy Sunday, who was also a preacher that uh, because they were, he's like, listen, my daddy used to sell whatever, I don't know, used cars, whatever it was. And he said, you always got to lead with a positive message because it used to be you're a sinner saved by Christ's grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, no, with all the sinner stuff, you're not leading with something positive. And so they literally started that whole, that God loves you and desires, you know, uh, you know, a wonderful life for you, but then mm-hmm. sin was just literally a marketing mm-hmm. ploy to be put in the beginning of a of mm-hmm. sales Interesting. Business. Yeah, so when a lot of Catholics start evangelizing, what they do is instead of turning to the great tradition of the Catholic Church, which Protestants study Catholic missiology at Fuller Theological Seminary and other places like that, um, we turn to kind of the street preacher evangelization Mm -hmm. ministries of evangelicalism. And that's where you get a lot of the, well, I have to evangelize. What does that evangelize? Well, what does that mean? Well, I have to get people to acknowledge that they're sinners and that they're saved by Jesus Christ and um, they need to make an act of faith, and usually they'll do a commitment prayer, but that commitment prayer is usually tied. It has a, a Catholic spin or approach to exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so that's what you mean by missionary discipleship, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I, I was, yeah, it's funny. I'm looking at one uh, that Jesus is the bridge between us and God. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's a, it's a fair it's a fair image because it's something Catherine of Siena does use, but um but like, I'll give you an example here. I'm looking at their program, and it's, it's a program I st- I'm still using it. I think it's good. Like I'm 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 using this program to help work to reach out to people in my parish. I'm just saying. I think we like I'm gonna when I do this in January, I'm gonna try and retool it a bit with all this in mind to try and bring it around. Repentance, and this is the interesting thing, right? Repentance, which is true, you need to repent of your sins. That's what uh, Paul. That's what Peter says in Acts two. But then it says this. Then you need faith, and then baptism. And I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> no, faith is not per- baptism from the church, which allows us participation in the mystery. It's the other way around. Can you repeat that uh, again? Just because you cut out for a bit okay, there. Okay, sure. Didn't hear. sure. So I just said that faith is not a personal assent. It's not belief, right? It, belief is personal assent. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Faith is a theological virtue infused in us by God that gives us access to the mystery of God through the church. It's the, and it, I always say this to people, uh, it's, if you do baptisms, the, you, the priest asks, do you have two possible baptism? And then what, do you guys know what the other one is? Eternal life. What, uh, what does baptism give you eternal life? No, no. It's uh, what do you ask of God's church? And you can say either baptism or you can say faith. Oh, right, right. right? Mm. Because faith and baptism are in Yeah. It's this idea. It's like I just need to commit, and this is—I guess this is the other thing—that the commitment is non-sacramental in character. You just say a quiet prayer in the silence of your heart. In the, if you read Acts two carefully, it says that they were cut to the heart by Peter's preaching, which was looking at the events of Jesus through the lens of the Old Testament. Yeah, it's very clear how Peter was preaching, and then and then they say, "What do we need to do to be saved?" And he says, "You must repent of your sins and be baptized." It's, it requires the sac. It requires not now. That's a sacrament, obviously. But it's a sacramental initiation, like the mystagogy of, of the early church, we could say. It understood the, the essential character of all this. And for like the last 500 years, we've lost this. 
and this is why, like, this is why I'm, I also have no, like, cause some people, they love the sacramentality and they think, oh, well, we just need to go back to the Latin mass. And I actually, I would say sacramentality in the first 50 years of the 20th century was actually even worse than it is today. Mm-hmm. But, um, because it, it, we have to, it's this idea, like we, we are physical beings. We need physical things to communicate with God. If God is going to talk to us, he's going to talk to us in a way we can understand him. And he's going to use material created things to communicate with us. And it's not just the seven sacraments. It's like Romans six on Paul's baptism. Sorry. Oh, what? You're, you know, your, your connection phased Uh-oh. out. You, ah. we, we get you really great for like 30 seconds and then there's Weird. like a five second hiccup and I'm Weird. like, no, it's awesome. I I, you're saying such good stuff. Ah, darn it. I don't even remember what I was going on now, but anyways, you're about to go into Romans six, R- Romans six, right? Do you not know that you who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into it? His death. Yeah. This is it. We participate. We participate in the mystery of Christ. There is never a moment where Christ's death and resurrection is not being lived out in us. Yeah. Ever, ever. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the biggest thing was staring at, at uh, Thomas Aquinas and his understanding of the sacraments as essentially that, which fuels uh, that, which is fueled by the Paschal mystery. Yeah. Right. And, there is no, this is the problem that I think Protestants have an impossible, an almost impossible hurdle to overcome when they look at Catholicism, is they see it as nothing but additions to Christianity. You have this right. thing called Christianity, and you have this thing called faith, and you had this thing called grace, and even with your bishops and your priests, you still had it. And then all of a sudden, this sacred meal became a sacrament, and now it's the body and blood of Jesus that right. only your magical priest can do. And you had grace, but that wasn't enough. Now you needed to add works and right. you know, whatever. Um, but one of the things that, uh, that they, that I constantly encounter is this notion that the sacraments are a work and uh, meaning like something yeah. I do in order, it, it, something like magic, right? Yeah, I'm exactly. performing these rituals so that I can gain something. And so I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, like, fault on the Catholic Church, that's how many Catholics think of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they ditched Mass early. Like, mm-hmm. if priests are pissed off that Catholics are ditching Mass early, look to how you present the Mass. Not yeah. just, I, mean, I would say too many priests present the obligation, but the obligation that they really feel is to receiving communion. I got my Jesus, now I get to go. I fulfilled exactly. my duty, right? I've done the sacramental yeah. thing. And instead of this yeah. entering into the grand worship of the angels and saints and the Old Testament, you know, you know, like you were talking about typology and all that, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh, okay, so let me just put it this way. Um, this, let me say this, and then you, you fire back. So when you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it talks about how the Eucharist okay. or the sacred liturgy of the church does not exhaust all the work of the church, right? The church mm-hmm. is doing a lot of stuff. It's not just that. And when you talk about the Mass, the church actually expects before you show up at Mass, other things should have happened in your life, like repentance, evangel- mm-hmm. like you've been evangelized. Uh, you uh, turn mm-hmm. to God in prayer on your own, right? So you're praying mm-hmm. individually and not just in this once-a-week communal um, liturgy. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to see this, um, one of the things that people, I think, experience is 
they watch Protestant evangelists who really do bring about a transformation in Christ of people's life by mm-hmm. preaching the gospel. And right. my problem, when I first saw your tweets, actually, I got Luke's summary of your tweet. So Luke sent me a cryptic text message. <laughs> this was awesome. And then, we, and then we had this conversation. Repeating what the text was. <laughs> oh, gosh. Balthazar and Vows is greater than Thomas Aquinas and missionary discipleship or something Yay, like team that. Luke. <laughs> Which still makes no damn sense to me, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, the idea, and so I called him, I was like, what, what does this even mean? And you're like, come challenge me, <laughs> prove me wrong. I was like, change my mind. Yeah, change my mind. Um, so the funny thing about that is, so when we were talking, I said, listen, man, the sacraments have no subjective power in my own heart if I do not have faith, right? If I do not, if I lack personal faith in the risen Lord, then I go up and receive the true objective sacrament in the Eucharist at Mass. Yeah. But I receive no sub because my subjective disposition is foreign to it. Even if I think this is a magical cookie that's going to send me to heaven or you know whatever, it's alien to the person of Christ. This is what Pope Benedict would call a baptized pagan in a lot of ways. Exactly. Exactly. Like, but like, here's the difference, though, in my mind about this. And, and I, and again, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to understand all this stuff, so I'm not trying to be uh, contrary. Um, <laughs> is are you talking about more? Be, or like is like faith is that a thing that is does like the gift of, of of faith actually come from the church through the gift of baptism which is like sacramental or is 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 like or is that more belief as like i like i believe this and through my encounter with the church i through through like and like with that encounter with christ through the church i am given the gift of um of faith like really i think i think like part of this and like like in like my mind we're like we're like i'm like wrestling um with all this is what's the difference between belief and and faith Hmm. well i'm a uh fan of good old joseph peeper and he talks about belief as the natural form and faith the main characteristic of faith is um well, it's a theological vir- virtue that comes directly from God and is its object is God and all that he reveals. So like human belief, I might believe what you say to me because I think you're an eyewitness and your testimony is true and you're a trustworthy person. But faith, the component of faith is also that it's a supernatural content. It's not a natural thing, right? So you have that, uh, that extra understanding that would not be rooted in mere belief or would transcend mere belief but but then does like does like does like like a lot of the way that we present a missionary discipleship or the or the aim of a a missionary disciple remove the church from the gift of faith i would say the that the people who uphold this (laughs) i feel like i'm i I feel like I represent both sides. No, no, because no, like, 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 well, I would like, say this. I'm not saying yeah. that. Like, I'm just, this is something like I'm wrestling with right yeah. now. So, well, so the idea is how can someone believe if uh, they haven't heard? And how can they, how, oh, sure. how yeah, can someone go out and preach unless they, oh, this is all Romans. Um, how could someone, um, basically, you can't believe unless you've heard and someone has to be sent so that you can hear. Right. So right. it's like no one sends themselves, as the catechism says, when it comes to this stuff. 
Right. You have to have been sent by the church. It's the church that sends. This is the missionary endeavor of the church. And so even if it's an individual evangelizing another individual, it's still a the missionary dynamism of the church. Like we're all priest, prophet, and king kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would add this to it, 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 kind of getting back to like what we were saying about like you know if 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 I'm closed off to the works of faith in me, the the sacraments aren't are going to have no effect, right? Because it's it's faith that allows the sacraments to be effective in us, right? right? Mm. So mm-hmm. um, if I'm if I'm closing off my and I say that that's where our cooperation with grace, however you want to talk about it, and I, I would actually I want to actually personally say it's it, a better way of saying it is the more we enter into the mystery of Christ. The more we um, we allow we 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 are dying to ourselves really and truly, like it's always a cross and resurrection, and it's not just like not in a poetic sense, like oh, yeah, this is my own personal cross. No, 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 it's really the cross working itself in you. It's like this is it. And so when you when you allow when you say I I submit myself to the mystery, that's what allows faith to grow, which allows then the the grace of the sacramental life of the church to take deeper root in me and right it's, i mean with all the caveats around grace and works with all that right but that's kind of the main impetus of, of things and and if when you're entering into the mystery and i i think like this is why i get i i was going off on twitter the other day about this a little i said i get really tired of tropey homilies that say like with uh, Bartimaeus, what's your own cloak that you're holding back to see Jesus, uh, to, that's holding you back from going to see Jesus or something like that, you know? Yeah. I, I hate that stuff. I hate it. I hate it. And it needs to die a quick <laughs> death. How come? <laughs> because it's, it's treating Christ and the scriptures as purely historical. Mm. There's no real connection. Rather, the church is in Bartimaeus, the sinner's are in bar now unleavened it who is a sign of the old adam now letting go of his cloak is now encountering in christ the new adam who sets us free from isolation that was my homily this last weekend noise are you a church father am, am i church father are you a church father because that's definitely that's definitely the way they would present <laughs> that right like yeah i mean that's see this is what we're talking this is why my friend david vickle who's my cardinal got him my cardinal's best friends with his pastor and he said, uh, you know, what are you reading these days? And he goes, I only ever read one thing. This is Daniel Donardo, Cardinal <laughs> Donardo. He goes, I only ever read one thing. And he's like, what's that? And he said, the fathers. Whenever nice. I finish, I start back at the beginning. And he was like, what do you mean? Nice. He's like, I read them in order. <laughs> I wow. just read all of the fathers, the Latin and Greek, right? Sorry, Syrian. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and that's all he does. And that's literally all he does. And in, uh, so he says, this is what you need to do. Spend one year, read nothing but the fathers. Doesn't matter what you read. Just make sure they have an ST at the front of their name and just read the fathers. <laughs> and, and, and origin and Tertullian. Nope. Nope. No? Not no, origin? I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not origin. Mackie boy. Yeah, I was going to get all their own. Not, not origin. I have no idea why, but. Origin should be a saint, by the way. Oh, I disagree. Anywho, the. Uh, uh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were such a fan of apocatastasis. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> he doesn't say that. His followers said that. Oh, man. Sounds like an origin apologist was, to me. <laughs> originism was condemned, not origin himself. Oh, uh, that's what Joe Akima Fioria didn't say. That's Anywho. true. 
I'm, I'm amazed you got kidding. married, Gomer. I'm truly I, amazed. <laughs> I'm amazed that I have friends. I'm amazed that it's this guy who's on the talk and never mind. Okay. <laughs> but no, so I, I guess, what uh what I wanted to say with that is um oh ballsack, what was I gonna say? Oh, the the way that you were phrasing that, right, is it into the mystery of Christ. We are all in the church is in Bartimaeus, the sinner. Uh, the desperate one. Right. And so like the, but the difference is, uh, I don't know the difference between, I mean, I feel like saying the difference between typology and I mean, what would you, I mean, you said trope, but like typology and, uh, I'm trying to think of a more formal word, but just, just a, a plain vanilla symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. Poetics. That's it. Uh, Yeah. Crappy poetics. It's called, that's what it's called. It's in the Bible somewhere in the back. In the uh, Jesus said it. I'm a priest. Just believe me. <laughs> Clericalism <laughs> is alive and well. You heard it uh, here, yeah. people. <laughs> but that, okay, so here's my problem. Or here's what my problem was with Luke. Um, and Luke told me to stop talking so we could save it for the podcast. Um, over and over again, especially in the charismatic proclamations in Acts, yeah, yeah. You, you have the sacramental witness, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I always... Tell that to people. Baptism, more than almost anything else, is a sacrament of faith. Um, when people respond mm-hmm. in faith to the risen Christ, they receive baptism, right? Like, immediately. You're talking about right. the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, and they're like, hey, I, I believe in this Jesus guy that Isaiah talks about. What's going to stop me from getting baptized? Oh, here's a puddle of water. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's in Acts 8, maybe? Uh, and so you have this notion, though, that you one must be led to faith in the risen Christ first. And the way you are inserted into the mystery of this risen Christ that you have come to believe is through mm-hmm. baptism and, you know, obviously the Eucharist and whatnot. But I think what often happens is the sacramentalism, which can be described at, which leads to Pez dispenser Christianity, right? This notion of an mm-hmm. externality a um a this is what like protestants hate right it's this vulgar mm-hmm. externality where all i got to do go do is go through the ritual and i get the access i get the thing i put my coin in i pull the lever of the slot machine called the yeah. eucharist confession whatever and therefore all the magical things happen to me right uh-huh. and without a personal faith in jesus christ and i mean personal as in all yeah. that I am as a person given over to in an absolute in, in a sign of trustful surrender to Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as a personal God, right? Not an impersonal force that that trustful surrender to him is what enables me to receive the right. sacraments, to see the sacraments as even worth my time. Right. right. I mean, right. you have plenty of me. And so I get in the thing that I think is the true evil of our day is me and Jesus spirituality. And I find that yeah. being copied by the Catholics because Catholic mm-hmm. evangelists are so. Mm, anywho, I'll just stop there, and you tell me what you think about. I agree. Like it's it's something actually. One of uh, Benedict's favorite phrases to talk about his relationship with Jesus. He doesn't talk about it too often, but he his favorite word to use is friendship. Right. It's his favorite word to use. It's not a. 
great tenderness and endearment to it, right? And because there is always going to be the personal element, right? But it's just that, but it's the person, like he, he loves, he talks about how Jesus, like again, he talks about how Jesus like rescues us from our, frees us from our isolation and incorporates us into his body. But that's the thing. It's, it's not just a me and Jesus direct thing. Right. This is always mediated through the church. And so I go through the life of the church and everything the church gives me to come to know him. Yes, personally, but in the life of the communion of the church so that it's the eye, the eye is balanced out, if you will, by the you. Because gets, this gets to Luke's thing that love demands a vow and that through, which is what Balthazar says. Yeah. Man, Balthazar. Yeah, I love Balthazar. So anyways. Uh, of course you that, do. Of course. I'm just kidding. I do. Good. <laughs> I also love Thomas, so there. <laughs> Take that, Luke. <laughs> I'm being pastoral here. You know, I'm taking both sides. Um, I thought being pastoral <laughs> meant you just look for loopholes. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. Uh, oh, okay. And not really, <laughs> really providing answers. Well, that's what I just did, right? I was like, oh, I like both these guys. I'll just say that, then I win everyone over. Uh, when I vow myself to Christ through the church in the midst of, in the most concrete ways through baptism, but let's say, I don't know, let's say you fell away from the church for 20 years. I, I think doing something like going to confession is a place where I revow myself to him. Right. I mean, that's what baptism, that's what confession is supposed to do. It calls us back to mm-hmm. baptism. And mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And, but it's like that I, it's not just me and Jesus. It is like, there is that personal relationship with Jesus, but it's always in and through and with the life of the church. Mm-hmm. So that's why liturgy is important. That's why the scriptures are important. That's why the teaching of the church is important, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, um, I know that like it, like it, like that there's like a lot of people there who would say that they like to form a missionary disciples who would say that they agree with what with like what you're saying and I think like my challenge though to a lot of people especially in terms of like how we live our like own lives how we arrange our like living rooms how we how we eat dinner how we hang out with all with all of our like friends is how is that like, you know, it, it's it's like it's all as a matter of its function, as opposed to like, what does this? How does this help me uh, dwell in like reality? The, the reality that communion is important. That and I, I just don't see any talk of that at all. Hardly of like really like how it impacts my own um my like um own humanity. You know, it seems to, and and I, I, I'm not saying this is just more like when I mean. I'm not trying to accuse anyone individually of doing this. It's more like the tone of the conversation. I think right now what's happening with all this, it's it's an attempt to find its way forward. It's attempting to, okay, how do we evangelize? And do what we're going to make a mess. And I'm kind of okay with that, right? Because we're trying. And we're trying to figure out how does what does this look like? And we're so far away from 2,000 years ago, we don't know what it looks like. And again, we want to communicate it to people in such a way that they can understand it today. But I also, I do agree with you, Luke, that, the Christian life is going to, it's going to show itself differently. It's going to be, it's going to, it's, it's not just going to be, I, I go to church on Sunday, but it's like, like you said, how we live the calendar, how we organize our lives as a family, how we organize our, our houses, that it, it kind of quietly incarnates itself into everything. And that's part of living the mystery. And, and I think that's where it's lacking. And that's where I, and that's where like when you guys are talking towards the end last week about, um, about this, um, when you're talking about the yeah. uh, church and the nativity, right? I was like, yes, <laughs> I've been saying this for a year. Yeah. The church and nativity yeah, is an interesting yeah. thing. I fell in love with it when I read the book. The what is that for people who yeah, don't yeah. know? Uh, so, is. Timonium, Maryland, there is a church called the Church and Nativity. 
and about, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago now, um, they really wanted to evangelize their parishioners. They were having all these no-goes, no-starts, false starts, whatever. And then one goes to, uh, the pastor goes to Rick Warren's thing, the big church out in Saddleback, and he was amazed and impressed and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it begins this kind of movement of an evangelicalism-style Catholicism. Now, when I'm reading in the book, I'm like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. This is Paul the Sixth. This is, well, it turns out you can use words mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that mean different things in different contexts. <laughs> and for exactly. when the more you dive into evangelization, uh, or excuse me, the more you dive into rebuild, and, and I started to then read it through the critical lens, of like, wait, what is this really showing me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the Matter Conference at the Church of Nativity, and I was appalled. Mm. I was, I, I wanted, I, like, there was some stuff that I really liked. There were some presentations that I heard that were mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but mm-hmm. it wasn't until I heard the wife of the youth minister say it was really difficult coming here at first because, you know, like, for instance, I was a part of this, you know, a pretty normal church, and then coming here with, you know, like, there's no kneelers. I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. And then you realize the tabernacle's in a tabernacle room, which, okay, whatever. Churches built in the 60s, 70s have that. Um, but they were stacking boxes in the in the tabernacle room of T-shirts because they didn't want them out in the sh- coffee shop, which was right next to the sanctuary. And uh, not in the sanctuary, oh right next to the church building. And um, all connected yeah. by these hallways and stuff. And so I, I began to, like, rethink, like, it's like the scales fell off my eyes. I looked around, and I said, yep. It's as if these people, and I've heard this so many times, it's as if these people don't know what the sacraments are for. Like they've lost yeah. the inner meaning of the sacraments, which is to put you into Jesus, the person, right? Like, exactly. To insert you into the divine mystery. And yeah. afterward, I um, Sherry Waddell wrote this very critical piece, respectful, like, like academically critical, professionally yeah. critical, Piece. And she said, listen, and someone's like, hey, come on, everyone's trying to do this. You know, we're all trying to figure this stuff out. And she said, listen, they published a book. They put themselves out there. This yeah, is yeah. me analyzing it. And she really did. She did a really excellent job huh. pouring. Th- yeah, pouring through. Um, well, it was in her private Facebook group thing. But um, I mean, you can request for it. But it was oh, okay. but it was very powerful because she says, like, look at what he says down here about like traditional Catholic devotion, like liturgy of the hours and the rosary and adoration and all this stuff. He, he, the, the way it's classified is for like elite Catholics, right. like those who are like really invested. It's like, these are ordinary forms of Catholic piety yeah. that are tied to the ancient tradition of the church. Mm-hmm. And me as coming, someone coming from youth ministry, who's desperately trying to evangelize the adults. I began to realize like, these are massive anchor points in adults' lives that keep them to Christ. Yeah. And here these people, ah, they're just these, you know, super elite practices. But what we really need to focus on is small groups, uh, you know, basic mm-hmm. gospel message, the four, which translates to the four spiritual laws, you know, and stuff like that, and self-help sermons. And oh, the more God. you begin to accumulate this stuff, the more you realize um, that, they, that we are abandoning a model a particular type of evangelicalism. And as Catholics, we're yeah. so blind to this. Yeah. That evangelicalism has many, 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 many models, and many of them are antithetical. And this is called exactly. the church the church growth movement. 
where the whole emphasis is on growing the church. Exactly. That's what, yeah, that's what Rick yeah. Warren is a pioneer about. And he grew his church to 40,000 people. You know how he did it? He went door to door in an area where the demographics were shifting upwards. And he said, so often, you know, you've left the church because the church wasn't good for you, blah, blah, blah. Tell me, what do you need from the church? Right. And so he built a church that catered to people's desires. Now, I'm not going to say everything he did is bad. I like the guy. I've listened to plenty mm -hmm. of his sermons and stuff. Mm -hmm. But the reality is it doesn't adopt. And when I confronted Tom Corcoran and Father Michael White at an amazing parish conference, I said, listen, I said, guys, listen, I love Rick Warren. I love Andy Stanley. I know you two like them a lot, too. I said, I got a lot of appreciation, but they're not Catholic. There's some things within them that are not just foreign, but antithetical to our tradition. So exactly. and this was the stem statement that I said, what is your litmus test for weighing what from the evangelical world is appropriate to adopt into the Catholic world? And their answer was about praise and worship music. Oh it my had gosh. nothing to do with the question. It had nothing to do. So, and, and I felt like maybe I asked it wrong. I, I said, I don't care. Like Patrick Lencioni was like, Hey, well, no, 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 no. Let me rephrase that. Like, did you, do you get what he's saying? I go, I, I go, listen, I went to Franciscan University. I love charismatic renewal. I do praise and worship. I'm fine with that. I also love the Latin mass. I'm fine with that and yeah. literally everything yeah. in between. I don't have a dog in that hunt. I want to yeah. know about evangelicalism. It yeah. comes from a theology. And I exactly. asked it in a very, because I was at the time, it was, that was after reading the book, but before going to the conference. Yeah. And so I was still in the smitten mode. I was yeah. just wondering, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And man, I had probably 30 people after that. We went on a brief break. 30 people from around the whole 400 people that were there come running up to me. Oh my gosh, that was my exact question. They didn't even come close to answering it, you know, like all this stuff. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And then I started Sherry Waddell's article, for, just reading Forming Intentional Disciples. Yeah. You're like, this is a different kind of thing here. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. You know, I had a similar experience, except in the Canadian context with Divine Renovation. I'm not sure if you're right. familiar with that yeah. one. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I okay. Let yeah, me yeah, let yeah. me just do a whole full disclosure thing here yeah. with divine renovation. Okay. Uh, my parish just went up there. Yeah, I I've listened to a lot of their sermons. I I I, I like a lot of what they're doing. I know yeah. uh, them personally. The pastor yeah. who's now working with the bishop, I don't know yeah. personally. I met Father James Mallon a couple times, but I've done events at their parish and uh, in their diocese. In kind of around ten there. seconds, what is it? It's kind of taking it, it's kind of it's another way of approaching the parish renewal project okay and uh yeah. and again i i did the same thing i went to the conference a couple of years ago they did their first one a couple of years ago i went out I, I i appreciated it i came away with a pretty positive experience it is i think it is a little different than um the rebuilt thing i think it attempts to be i think it's a lot better i still think it's got some areas yeah. to grow in but um i i think it's better um, oh i think it's a lot better <laughs> and it 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 doesn't which is one of the, the key, or, or sorry, not self-serving, but like pick me, pick a uh, choose your own liturgy type of mentality. Uh, and it respects the people who are already there too, which I think is hugely important. Like it says, no, no, there are people who are here who are faithful Catholics mm -hmm. who are doing good things and they need to be nourished as well. So, but I walked away from it. I guess I, I went to that conference and all I heard about was leadership, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, We, we need good leadership in the church. No, it's yeah. very clear on that. And and, and in the parish, you need good leadership. You need healthy leadership to function properly and, and well so that you can be – because the church makes visible Christ to your local community. That parish is is what makes you Christ visible. Uh, yeah. But over time, I was just like getting less – I guess – and this is where I, I get 
and, and I mean, I'll give Father Mallon full credit. He he was very clear when we went to the thing. He says, this is what worked for our parish. It will not always work for yours. It's best locally as well. You need to you need to tw- tweak things here and there and so yeah. forth. And I think he was dead on about that. Um, so, but I walked away from it still. And this is one of my other kind of bugaboos about the whole thing yeah. is how programmatic the whole thing gets. Follow these six steps and you'll be a person in your parish, which is a little Pelagian to me. <laughs> you know? What? I'm, what? What? <laughs> I think Luke is so happy that you just said Pelagian right now. I have a big ass smile on my face right now. <laughs> I don't know. Father, have you ever listened to our show? Yeah, I, yeah, here and there, whenever I get a chance. Yeah, whenever, <laughs> this month I'm going to be doing more driving, so I'll be able to catch up to more episodes. Whenever, whenever you've been drinking a lot and eating Hot Pockets, I get it. Um, exactly, exactly. But we had, Luke had made a previous statement about a lot of these type of like how we're going to reach the nuns as this, as a Pelagian yeah. instinct. Okay, so yeah. anywho, I just wanted to rehash yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Episode 99! Okay, I'll, I'll, I haven't listened to that one yet, so I'll go give it a listen. Um, yeah, I, and I agree. It's it's uh, it, it's it it has that it has that tendency. It, and I mean, listen, it, people come, so I'm not discounting those things either. I think grace is still at work, but at the heart of it, like it was interesting. Actually, my thread, I, I had a I had a direct I had a DM message with some with the guy I know who runs. He's the Catholic rep for Alpha Canada, and yeah. he said to me after my thread, he goes. Oh my God, Alpha's not Catholic enough yet. He goes, we aren't we aren't being sacramental enough in our vision. No, when we're presenting it to churches, I said, no, we're not. He goes, we need to work on that. I said, yeah. <laughs> he was like, I was really awesome, right? But that's my thing. We we are appropriating these different Protestant forms, and then what happens yeah. is again, again, these things work. What what you do and how what you say and how you say it is just as important. Form and content are just as important. And they communicate. So if you if you're going to communicate things in a in a kind of Protestant way, nothing against the Protestants, of course, but it's going in the sacraments and the whole is going to just seem tapped. Right? Here's the four step kerygma. Okay, now you need to believe in Jesus. Oh, and go to confession and go to mass and pray the rosary. It it doesn't grow organically out of the whole sacramental vision. And what really changed my mind on all this is an obs- 2008 to the representatives of culture and he says what does christianity have to do with europe anymore who is that he says this is uh, pope benedict okay okay yeah we lost you for a second you're like and you know what really changed my mind silence (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh no that's what changed my mind the silence of god no (laughs) cardinal Cardinal (laughs) Yeah, exactly exactly exactly. 44 different ways (laughs) okay so pope benedict what was the thing it was a it was a speech to representatives of culture in France in 2008. So just Google like Benedict mm-hmm, mm-hmm. France culture 2008. You'll find it. It'll be the first thing that pops up. And in this, he says that Christianity through the Benedict. Oh, I know what he's saying. It's gonna be so good. It is it's it's this is a this is actually this is like Regensburg level speech for me. Right. Benedict says this at the beginning. He says first it must be known that. The Benedictines didn't come together to save Western culture. So he's distinguishing between Catholic life and Western culture. He says they didn't gather Cicero because Cicero's worth gathering. They gathered him for a reason, to help interpret and understand the scriptures. 
Um, he says the monks came together for a more fundamental reason. And in the Latin phrase, the seeking of God. And he says, this is what happens. They sought God and slowly and organically as a life of community, they developed a whole group of traditions around their monastic life through the reading of scriptures, through the praying of the Psalms, through singing. And in all of this, they organic a life organically grew out of just this one common desire to seek God. And then through this, it then seeped down into the communities that slowly gathered around them because they saw in these communities a stability and a life. And these communities participated in the rhythms and life of the Benedictines. And then those communities, and then essentially you got the high middle ages because of the Benedictines. Yep. yep. And it is, it, it is so, so good because what it does, it takes out the Pelagian character. Exactly. Exactly. And that's my big thing with all the stuff as when, as when everyone's trying to say change parish culture or change the culture of, of like the diocese or, or, or whatever, it always goes towards psychology which is important, but it skips this step entirely, and it thinks that culture can be produced. I don't think it can. I think it's the result of your of your priorities. And so, when your when your priorities are trying to seek the face of Christ, then you build your life around that in a sacramental way. You're going to have a real Catholic culture and that no one's talking about that and it drives me effing crazy effing crazy effing crazy effing crazy effing crazy no one's talking about that and it drives me effing crazy 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 effing crazy (laughs) and this is my thing so do you want my first thing i'm trying to do in my parish to help me grow again go we're doing adoration. Mm. That's it. That's it. I mean, I'm I'm trying to reach out to families, you know, but it's personal. It's I'm not I'm not trying to force it on people. Sign up for this course, and if you get these ten people in, like I had I've had people say to me, Father, you've been here ten months now. Where's all these new families you promised? I said, This is not like uh, you get people in. It's 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 got to it's slower. This is the hard thing for us. It's slower. As more organic, because here's the thing, like with what he's trying to get at with all this, and I think he's actually got a point. Because I think, if you will, like what I think he presents in that speech is the true Benedict option, um, and it it that the parishes become of liturgy and culture and life, and that slowly that'll seep into people's lives in the homes, and then people then when they invite their people to their homes, they'll say, wait, these people have an icon in their dining room when they're eating and stuff like that, what is this all? And they pray grace and they have, what's this life that you live? I want in. And that's how it slowly grows, but it's going to be slower and it's going to be because you need to leave room for the Holy spirit to do his work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and I, like even the divine renovation stuff, which is good. And it's trying, I guess this is my problem is that it's taking on too much of modern forms to the neglect of the Catholic content that we proclaim. There's a Catholic way just as much as there is a Catholic uh, word. And those two things need to go together at all, all times. It's like if you if like you have a life that is built on trying to seek God's trying trying to like seek God, your if you have a severe porn addiction or a thing that's really holding you back from him, you're gonna take the steps that you should take in order to seek him. As 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 opposed to this weird thing where it's like he's just gonna like fix this. Yeah. 
So I got two quick things to say with that. I first I got an example with that. Cause after I read this article, I remember I was sitting on my computer one night and I, someone sent me a funny YouTube video to go watch. And I said, Oh, I'm going to go watch this. And I said to myself, have I prayed evening prayer yet? And I said, Nope. So I went to pray prayer, right? But that's the idea. It's about making choices for God first, but it expresses itself in concrete actions instead of a vague and choosing Jesus first in my life. It starts to inform how you live. And the second point I wanted to make with that, and now it just slipped my mind. Dang it. Ah, frick. Dang it. Not. Okay. Well, let me, let no, me throw in. This happens stuff. to me pretty much. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All good. It's all good. <laughs> It happens to Luke every day. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm the worst at this. But so Von Balthazar and vows. Okay. Yeah. In in one sense, you could say, though, that the object of the missionary discipleship movement is to mm-hmm. lead people through apologetics, through pre-evangelization and proclamation mm-hmm. and whatever to make the vow, right, to, to commit right. oneself. Now, obviously, in the Catholic Church, and the danger is saying, especially those who are like me, where we do a lot of these evangelistic kind of outreach stuff is the dangers to say, well, the, it's also, uh, you know, it's also baptism, but it's the, you know, it is a fundamentally Catholic way of doing these things. Right. Um, yet I will say like, isn't, isn't that what it means it, to accept Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and savior? Let's just use that kind of bald mm-hmm. expression. Isn't mm-hmm. that a vow? Isn't that a like giving one's mm-hmm. life over to Christ? We know a lot of people don't. We also know a lot of people who are baptized fail utterly at living up their baptismal vows. And we also know that people who were immersed in the liturgy of the Benedictines uh, were some of the most evil people in European history, as well as some of the holiest. And that the church, the world, abandoned that vision in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when we, um, so my fear of a sacramental uh, the sacramental life or the the mysteries disconnected from purposeful word of God proclamation of the person Jesus Christ. When you start to disconnect those, and I'm not saying you are, yeah. when you start yeah. to disconnect those, what you what it gives you is essentially a body without a soul. It gives you a uh, right. it gives you an experience yeah. of the sacraments that is devoid of. Uh, personal, living, yeah. vital faith in Jesus Christ. You personal meaning, I, I, He is now my entire life. And then when you when you make that vow, as it were, and that vow is ultimately vowed in baptism. Um, yeah. And you're like, I would say that they would be like, yeah, the striving every day. It's it's a false Protestantism. I think is like, let me just get you to say this one prayer. Very few Protestants actually care about that. I mean, I know some do, but. Mm. Um, a lot of them, they want you to say the prayer and then they want to connect you to like the whole alpha model. Then we want to connect you to a church. We want to connect you to a community. You know, obviously they mean those things differently than we do as Catholics, but that, that idea of like, no, the, the, the prayer of commitment, right. Mm -hmm. Is meant to be this, like, I'm giving myself wholly over to my Lord that I never knew until now, because if you have that without the sacraments, or excuse me, if you have the sacraments without that, you have. The reason what, like Scott Hahn pointed out, all these Protestants who are ex-Catholics hate the Catholic Church because, you know, I was Catholic my whole life and they never gave me Jesus. I had no idea I could have faith in God and it could change my life. And then you have Protestants who have that faith and they become Catholic and they say, I am so happy for my Protestant upbringing because it gave me Jesus. Mm. You know, and now I have the sacraments where I get to receive them and, you know, and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. 
So that was right. my my idea. Is like the moment we begin to separate the proclamation of the word from the sacraments, I think we're always in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and vice versa, I think we're always in trouble. So. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Right, and I think you. It seems like you guys are des or not you guys, but in one sense we could say the sacramental approach seeks to keep the sacraments connected to the charisma. Uh, the charismatic or missionary discipleship approach seeks to keep the, the gospel connected to the sacraments, but it's very easy for the two to kind of separate themselves. I, I would I would just add that it's like like what I'm trying to unpack here, and, and what I've started to experience with just some stuff that, that what we've done here in our like our in our archdiocese is that it's being it's the experience of the charisma. You know, as opposed to just like, uh, here's how it like fits into it. It's the it's, it is uh, I'm making it c- come alive. So like, it, of, of course, p- proclamation is a huge part of that. It's like the quarterback of an NFL team. You're not going to win if you don't have that. It is it is extremely like, vital. But if if you look at evangelization and the and the modern world by Pope Paul. The six, he 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 uh, he uh, uh, talks about how that's not the only part. You have all these little other things that yeah. kind of like have to all happen. All the other and moments, think, yeah. And that's where I think a lot of the sacramentality comes into play because I I think when you look at the like personal um, like relationship part, I don't think it's a vow because I think it it's it almost like strikes me a bit as like this is who I'm dating, mm. as can, opposed to can. this. It yeah, can. And, and, absolutely, and, absolutely, and, and, and I don't. And again, I know that's not people's intent yeah. with all that. But I think when you don't have a thing where you, this is why I think the like, oh, like renewal of baptismal vows. And I've done it one time with a group that I was like, I'm walking with, like Ratzinger stuff with. It was really profound for me to spend the whole day talking about like, what does this actually mean, and like. Like we basically recommitted ourselves to Christ through like baptism by that like right. on the renewal of that. It's that's like the difference between I'm like dating this person and I'm married. I'm in no matter what. And there are gonna be times when it's gonna be really hard and I'm gonna be like, you know, like apathetic, but I'm in. And like as with, with, with like a vow, it all it like ultimately makes me like Free to love in a very profound way, as opposed to like a whim. But Sorry, Father, the, I but cut, cut you off there. But can't we say though that the problem with Catholics is not? I, I would say a failure in baptismal preparation, but not in baptizing. Isn't the failure that we have that we have literally scores of parishioners who don't know what the saving death and resurrection of Jesus Christ actually accomplish? Like. Isn't if yeah, you were to no, pinpoint no, uh, yeah, one thing, yeah. would you say? I mean, I, I, I mean, honestly, when we have Catholics who are coming for marriage prep, or they're going to get their kids baptized, they have no clue about anything about the no, sacraments. I, I you agree, know, they really I, don't. I, but I, they really don't. But I, but, I, but I don't think that that's an like. I don't think I it's think enough there's... either. But can't we say like, shit, man, we really suck at evangelizing. So let's focus yeah. on proclamation. Not at the exclusion of the sacraments, and I see. Do think, I don't think you can. I don't think you can do that. You can't I think focus it's ultimately on not a full thing. Yeah, I, I think when you, when you do that, it, it like it like robs it of its fullness. I think it's what Pope Paul the Sixth is trying to get at. That he like when he says this is actually kind of a complex thing, and when you just reduce it to that, 
it becomes more about like um, a belief as opposed to like a real like act of faith. I, at least that's that, that's what like I'm wrestling with right, right now. Yeah, and I think too, it's it's also about like when you're preaching the kerygma again. It, it's it's hard. This is this is, this is something I'm still wrestling with. Like like this last weekend when I was talking about how I was kind of preaching like about Bartimaeus. This was my first time. I'm trying to think because I think when you start to do these things, it starts to seep into people's souls slowly about the whole sacramental vision. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm actually there. And you, you just kind of beat into their heads. You're participating in this. You're participating in this. But then when we're preaching the kerygma, again, it's in the sacramental sense that, that we draw up into the story. And then by drawing them up into that story of Israel, we are drawing them up then into the, the culmination and the, the, the climax of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Wow, yeah, with Israel, I fell short of God. With Israel, I need, this, I need to be saved by Christ. And in Christ, I see the fulfillment of everything that my story, which is now lifted up into the great salvation story— has been meaning and looking for, and now finds its fulfillment. So again, not in that tropey, um, oh yeah, well, Jesus, you know, how do I apply, how do I read Jesus into my own personal experiences, but rather to see, no, drawing people's experiences and, and leading them into the story. Now that's hard because this is so foreign to us, but you read Paul, this is what he's doing all the fricking time. He's drawing up, like, look at how he, how does he start Romans? He starts with their experiences and then he draws them up and culminates it with the cross, right? And that, and, and this is the way we are to preach it, but we're not doing. It. And then, so when we're we're preaching these other ways, then when we talk about the sacraments and stuff like that, it seems added on because we aren't, we haven't been preaching them a whole visual vision that says their life is a participation in the divine story. And if you don't get that, the sacraments become an add-on and a a ticket to to finally coming into faith instead of seeing it as the completion of initiation and the life and living in a ritual way, the life of the mystery. Yeah. Or yeah. they become an obstacle, right? Like if you see it in yeah. that way, then yeah. my marriage yeah. preparation, which is, you know, I can go down to blah, blah, blah church and every four weeks they do a baptism service or yeah. I can spend a year in RCIA and you know, like all that stuff. I can go to a, a single membership class or I could do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, and, and like marriage, I mean, think about all the stuff that kind of surrounds marriage. And I tell people all the time, why do they have to do all that? And I used to be very guarded and very, like, apologetic. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, mm -hmm. no, the church needs to safeguard the sacraments because the sacraments are your entrance into the divine life of Christ. Like, it's mm -hmm. not another thing. Like, <laughs> that's yeah, what these yeah. things are. These it aren't is it. Yeah, yeah, these aren't super added. Through faith and the sacraments. I mean, there is a whole section yeah. in the catechism called the sacraments of faith. I would encourage right. our sweet listeners to go listen. Um, <laughs> but we really do, and by we, I mean me. It's 11.05 p.m. on my time. I could literally <laughs> talk about this for the next three hours. I was going to say, this is either like the most like boring episode we've ever done or one of the most fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Father, if but only you I had a Mac and could record with QuickTime. <laughs> I know. Because we dropped you so many. You're uh, like making this uh, awesome quote, and it's like, bro. I could, uh, I could have recorded with Audacity, I guess, but I don't know if that would have converted properly or not. I don't know. Uh, it would have. Uh, it would have been an MP3. Oh, I'm sorry. You should have told me that. How dare you? Sorry. I didn't sorry. even think of that. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. <sighs> it's okay. Next, if we do this again, I can I, uh, I I'll, I'll record with Audacity. I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of people um, and Gomer, I, I just want you to know, like, it's, it's not like I think you're doing bad stuff where I don't agree with you. 
you know. No, what I'm I know, I know. Okay, I, okay. I, I just my last thing is with the because I can't let it. I, can't I, was, let I, you have the I last knew one. as soon as I brought that all, like he's gonna add on off something else to it. No, because well, you just do that. You just recharge my memory about Podcast like when I said been... the emphasis. So my my thing was, it's not literally an overemphasis. It's the fact that it's been de-emphasized. The preaching of the word yeah. oh, has yeah. been... Okay. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, that's Absolutely. what I mean. So it's like, right now, I feel like there's an element of the pendulum swinging. Not that it's going one way too far or another way, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the idea of the pendulum swinging is that we haven't been dealing with proclamation. We don't have Catholics who know yeah. what the gospel is and how it's tied to the sacraments and but, what it all means. You know, I mean, Frank Sheed's brilliant observation. Most Catholics have a jarbled mess when it comes to their Catholic faith. It's like Our Lady of Fatima, the Eucharist, the Trinity, mm-hmm. um, not eating meat on Fridays. Go throw in some like Medjugorje weird, weird <laughs> stuff and have a blast. I, but like, like I think this is all a part of like Balthasar's thing where he says we really have to like relearn wh- wh- like what it means to be Christian. Because I think you're right, but I I don't it's but I don't think it's like I think we're doing everything poorly. Like we're doing the sacramentality poorly, we're doing like preaching poorly. It's getting better in like certain like um certain areas. But I I, I think um to just uh, but I, I sorry I just, I just want to add that and yeah and the done. exaggerated claim the my uh, emphasis part was meaning um maybe the growing pains some of what we're experiencing now is we're trying to figure out the proclamation part so people like me exactly. who love the proclamation part and I'm not a sacramental minister very 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 good at it too I just want to well add yeah that. I mean of course I mean it's my bread and, <laughs> no I'm just kidding but the patreon.com slash cf actually layevangelist.com <laughs> buy my book buy my book um I don't have one but the the idea is uh that right now we're experiencing so many people emphasizing, okay, we got to preach the word, got to preach the word, got to preach the word, that it's kind of drowning out the fact that it's like, yeah, but we also have to do the sacraments well and love yeah. liturgical worship and show people how to love liturgical exactly. worship. Exactly. And that liturgical worship, like, I, it's interesting. I've been, find, uh, um, I've been finding myself just, I mean, I'm a priest, obviously, but I've, been, I've always loved the liturgy, and I've loved doing liturgy well, but in the last six months or so, I've really loved the liturgy. And essentially on Sundays now, I just do Eucharistic prayer one. <laughs> you rebel. It's so beautiful. And it's so, I know, I know. No one's complained, so uh, <laughs> I don't think most people will know the difference anyways. So. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, they do when you just start I, going through the list of names. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Hmm. Uh, but I, I, I think, yeah, like these like liturgy, liturgy communicates something. It can you, yes, and it's not me. It's not about me. It's not about you. Like I always like to say to people, you do not come to mass to worship God. You come to mass to be lifted up into Jesus's worship of the Father. Ooh, Mikey likes that. Yeah. That's, so, oh, yeah. Damn, son. Yeah. All right, like I'm awesome, done. Right? I'm done. You I literally, guess, I guess. you, you refuted my existence <laughs> with that one. I'm done. <laughs> Are you guys going to come work at my parish now? Uh, <laughs> I'll see you in August, and we'll go from there. Sorry, no, Father Tom. Good. Yeah. Actually, I don't All think right. you Canadians can pay uh, nearly <laughs> yeah, as much. No, probably not. No, no, we can't. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's it's this idea that we and that what we do matters, and how we do it matters, and, and how we preach matters. And this is why it's like words are important. What we believe, how we say things, is important. Yeah. I love it. 
So when I'm preaching, I'm trying to do my best to, I want to draw people's lives into the homily, but I want to make the mystery present to them as well. And if I'm doing that in my homily, then I think I'm doing my job as a priest when I'm preaching. And I want to bring out evangelizing myself. And I also know, too, I think I want to throw out the other caveat is, I don't, you know, Paul says it. Some are pre, some are prophets, some evangelizers, some this, some apostles, or, or and so on and so forth, right? Not everyone is going to be an evangelizer. Mm-hmm. Mm. Everyone's got that particular charism all the time, and, and that's okay. There's other ways you communicate the faith. But when we are starting to take it seriously as a church, when we're starting to take evangelization seriously through our preaching, how we do liturgy, how we communicate things, and stop, like, I hear all the time from people, if, you, if you're changing, you're going to change something at Mass. They say, oh, but Father, if we change that, then families are going to leave. And I say to them, families have been leaving for the last 20 years. Maybe we need to do something different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It, it's, you know, we need to, like, these things matter. And we, we take when we take the liturgy seriously, not in like a rad trad way, but in a this gives me life way, and that points me to participating in the mystery, then we are going to be better positioned to preach the gospel authentically. I agree with you totally. We're, we're, I think we're all, we're just, we're, we're trying to find our way forward in all this. And, and, and a month from now, we're probably all going to have changed our mind in some ways after tonight. And that's okay. Yeah. Because we're trying to get to the right place. And I think that's, that's, that's what I was trying to do with the, the thread was to say, let's ha- start having a conversation. Yeah. No, just like having you on here, uh, being able to talk to a priest who's just like, I'm wrestling with a lot of the um, same stuff that like me and a couple of peers are as well. It's, this has been really great. So thank you, Father. Yeah. Uh, we will, I have a feeling this is going to get a lot of responses. Uh, it might not, people just might not care. And that's fine too. Uh, but if we get like a lot of stuff and it's, and if, if we feel like it's, it's like worth perhaps like having you on again, perhaps we'll do, do like a B side or, you know, like I'm something for all like Patreon page where yeah. we get a little bit more, more deep. Maybe like, so if anyone has any specific, uh, sorry, I don't want to like, um, like assume that you're going to do that, but <laughs> in case we have for the next six we, to eight weeks, father will yeah. be on a private retainer. <laughs> yeah. So in case we have like a bunch, a bunch of, of questions, questions, perhaps we'll just yeah, do yeah, yeah, put, put it, it uh, like, like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, Patreon Patreon so, so. Yeah. Cool. All and right. People can also find me on Twitter too if they want to. Yes. Or that. That's you. I'm saying. What's your Twitter handle? It's at fr Harrison. Nice. At fr Harrison, I am at the Luke V. Gomer's at lay lay evangelist. The podcast is at c foxes podcast and as always we're starting to do a whole bunch of cool stuff over at patreon.com slash cf if you want to help support keeping this whole thing going that is patreon.com slash cf anything else gomer uh interesting to note that the divine renovation parish which i fell in love with because of theology actually in their book Right, mm-hmm. he actually talks yeah. about Pelagianism and Jansenism yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. The interesting—that's what made me turn away from one model to the other. Uh, and you know, they're all about Alpha, all about Alpha. The yeah. and so is my. I mean, we just launched Alpha. The yep. interesting thing alpha. is, when I went to their parish, I grabbed their bulletin. I'm like, oh, I'm going to read this, see what what else is going on. Their children—they don't do children's liturgy of the word. They kind of have something like that. But you drop your children off before mass and pick them up. If you want, you can get them at the end of the liturgy of the word, or at the end of mass, hmm. even if they're all, even if they've already received their first holy communion. Huh. And so, 
he had mentioned that. He said, listen, if you're not comfortable with that, I understand. But my, our whole idea is we want people to have a vital faith in Christ. And so that when they receive Jesus in the sacrament, they know whom they're receiving and that Christ can fill them with all the graces he desires to give them. And I was just like, uh, so you're taking kids who have an obligation to attend mass yeah. out of the mass. And you're saying yeah. that that's what oh. we need to do. To me, it just oh. sounds like we're outsourcing the parent. I mean, that's the parent. At some point, we do have to admit that the, the parents need to do something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've exactly. ever seen the, the Lutheran, uh, Lutheran satire. You ever heard of that? Oh, yeah, I love you. Yeah, the Gilbert and Sullivan Mass. I feel like it's this exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Joey, at Angry Catholic, for recommending that to me. I just watched it tonight, and I was like, it's perfect. But, right? So uh -oh. you see this yeah. departing. The more you invest in an alien approach to proclamation from the Catholic yeah. faith, the more you're going to alienate Catholics from the Catholic faith. Exactly. Uh, let that be a warning. And be let profoundly that... who you are, and you will change the world. Be profoundly someone else, and you'll make money off the new evangelization. Do, 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 All right, y'all. Have a good night. All right. I'm a broken, broken man. Good night. Bye. All right, buddy. Sleep well. Sleep hard.